0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match. Just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. What's up guys week number seven of the NFL schedule is in the books and uh, Let's just put it this way. Uh, nobody had a good week uh, this week. We may have had a winning record uh, or two, but uh, overall, bad week. Because I haven't done the math on how many points were available because this was a, uh, this was a 13-game week, so I don't even think 100 points were available uh, in confidence uh, this week. But our top point getter, let me pull it up here see if i can find it real quick while i'm shuffling around our top point getter for week number 7 was uh hold on, week's there we go. uh top point getter for the week 53 points. Bear down Omaha 53 points. Yeah, everybody else, i mean we had some people who scored only, only scored 20 points. 30 points is where most of us lived this week because I somehow came in like third place this week with 43 points. And I'm I'm pretty sure that was less than half of the points that were available for this week. But I'll, I'll figure that number out before we close out the, uh, the show, how many points were actually uh, available. But, um, yeah, it was not a good week when 53 points was the lord and ruler of week number seven in our prestigious uh, Pick'Em game. And uh, like I said, we'll dig more into that on the preview episode for week number eight on Thursday. So be sure to tune in uh, for that, especially if you're interested in the uh, standings. But just to give you a taste of how weird this week was. It was upset week. I mean, I thought last week was crazy with the upsets, Philly and San Francisco, uh, both losing and, and things like that. No, 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 no. Week seven was like, hold my beer because the season, or excuse me, the schedule started with seven games. You know what? Let's go ahead and start the show before I get long-winded. This is the week seven review episode of The Fourth Phase, so let's get to it. Welcome to The Fourth Phase. Presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. So anyway, where was I? The NFL schedule. Just to show you how bizarro land it was uh, this weekend. Going into this week, there were five one-win teams in the NFL. Four of those five teams won a game this weekend. The Bears beat the Raiders, the Bills beat the Patriots, the Giants beat the Commanders, and the, um, who we got? The Bears, the Giants, the Patriots, and the Broncos beat the Packers. The Broncos beat the Packers. And the only one-win team to not win a game this week was the Cardinals. Uh, They had to travel up to Seattle and beat the Seahawks. That did not happen. Uh, The Seahawks redeemed themselves from last week's loss to the Bengals. So five one-win teams, we only have one one one-win team in the league. So, uh, you know, the Bears still holding on to the number one pick because Carolina didn't win or lose because they had the bye week this week. So the Bears holding on to number one, the only one-win team left in the league, and the Cardinals now has the number two pick, and the Bears are the worst of the two-win teams. So we have number one and number three as it stands right now uh, in next year's draft. So... Yeah, interesting, interesting weekend. And then the cherry on top was the 49ers losing to Minnesota uh, last night. I'm recording this on Tuesday uh, morning. And, um, you know, so, I mean, just a bananas weekend. I went 6-7 and seven this week. I needed the 49ers to win to have a winning record uh, for the week. And uh, I don't know where, our, what, where what the record was for our top point getter with his 53 points. But uh, I can't imagine it was much better than seven and six. So, um, but then again, like I said, with all the upsets, he might have gone ten and three and just picked some really bad, had some really bad losers. Who knows? But uh, anyway, we'll dig into all of that and I'll have all of that, you know, pinned down for the review episode uh, on Thursday. But what do you say we go ahead and get the show started with the way we do with every review episode and start it off with the Week Seven All Out Blitz. All out blitz for week number seven. We start in Chicago where my Bears are hosting the Raiders. The Raiders coming in on a two game winning streak without Jimmy Garoppolo, but had the veteran Brian Hoyer under center. But Tyson Bajan's efficiency and the Bears defense and Deontay Foreman's three touchdowns were more than the Raiders could account for as the Bears pull off the upset for their second win of the season. (laughs) 30-12. Thirty to twelve. <laughs> Cleveland at Indianapolis. Deshaun Watson started the game but left early due to concussion concerns. Then the gardner mishu Colt, uh, led Colts gained 456 yards and scored 38 points on the number one defense in the NFL. But thanks to some Brown-friendly calls by the refs, Kareem hunts one-yard touchdown run with 15 seconds to go pushed the Browns past the Indy on, past Indy on Sunday, 39 to 38. <laughs> Buffalo at New England. The Patriots got out in front early and held the lead until Josh Allen's one-yard TD plunge got Buffalo the lead with a minute 58 to go in the game. But Mac Jones, who went 25-of-30, 272 and two touchdowns, engineered an eight-play 75-yard drive that ended with Mike Jacecki's one-yard TD catch to snap the Patriots' three-game losing streak with a 29-25 upset over the Bills. (laughs) Washington at the Giants. The Commander's offense played poorly but still had a chance for overtime or a win at the end of the game. But the Giant defense that had played well the last two weeks held on fourth down from their own seven-yard line when Sam Howell's throw to Jahan Dotson fell short to fend off the Commanders and snapped their own four-game losing streak 14-7 for the Giants. Mm Atlanta at Tampa Bay. The Bucs and the Falcons met at Raymond James with first place on the line. And despite Desmond Ritter's three turnovers, the game was tied with 45 seconds to go. And his clutch throws got Atlanta in field goal range. And Young Koo's 51-yard field goal, gave the Falcons the win over Tampa. 16-13 to take first place in the NFC South. <laughs> Pittsburgh at the Rams. This game was a back-and-forth affair through three quarters. But rushing TDs from Jalen Warren and Najee Harrison in the fourth quarter were enough to push the Steelers past the Rams 24-17 at SoFi. Arizona at Seattle. After the mistake laden uh, lost to Cincinnati last week, the Seahawks were back home and looking for redemption. And on the strength of 105 yards from Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith's two TD passes, the Hawks were able to easily dispatch the Cardinals 20-10 on Sunday. Green Bay at Denver. Jordan Love and the Packers were coming off the bye when they visited Denver on Sunday. Losers of two straight, but the Broncos were looking to break a two-game losing streak of their own. And PJ Locke's interception of Jordan Love with a hunt with a minute forty to go in the game preserved the Broncos' 19-17 win over the Packers. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes busted out choreographed handshakes. To celebrate their men connecting 12 times for 179 yards and a touchdown for Travis Kelsey on Sunday, Pat Mahomes topped out at 424 and four TDs as the Chiefs beat the Chargers for the 16th time in 19 tries, 31-17 in Arrowhead. And finally on Monday night, the 49ers coming off their first loss of the season kept stumbling against the Vikings. With a fumble and a missed field goal in the first half, and a, a coupled with two Brock Purdy interceptions in the second half, the Viking defense was tenacious, and Kirk Cousins went 35 of 45 for 378 and two touchdowns to Jordan Addison to pull off the upset, 22 to 17 over the 49ers. <laughs> and there you have it, folks! All out blitz for week number seven uh we had carolina, cincinnati, dallas, houston, the jets and the titans on the buy and if you notice there uh as i said before the 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 early games were a disaster there were there were six early games i went 1 in 5 in the early games and then in the afternoon the four afternoon games i went 3 of 4 the only loser there was the packers losing to the Broncos and then I won the Sunday night game as you know we'll talk about here in a few minutes Philly uh, beating uh, Miami and then the 49ers 13 was as many points as you could put on a game this week I put 13 on the 49ers to be the Vikings and uh, they just like I said just kept tripping over themselves two miscues in the first half two Brock Purdy picks in the second half and the last one ended the ball game so thanks to all that Uncle Larry went six and seven Uh, This week Uh, the good news is that uh, the rest of you stunk right along with me (laughs) because the top point getter only scored 53 points out of uh, what 14 plus 15 is 29 plus 16 is 45 and uh, 136 is the is the is the max when we have 16 games so 136 minus 45 is what 89 points. Would be the max this week am, is, am i am I doing my math right eighty nine and forty five that's one thirty four so ninety one maybe ninety one and forty five is one thirty six so ninety one would be the top I think our top point getter was uh like fifty three points. I'll look that up here in just the, a minute but uh yeah, so it was a bad week for everyone and uh, we'll talk more about that on uh Thursday. When we do the preview for week number eight, but uh, yeah, you heard a lot of uh, mm. heard a lot of that during the <laughs> because I lost more than I won. There were certainly not enough of those taking place uh, throughout the uh, throughout the all out blitz. Uh, so out of the ten games that I just summed up, I think um, well, I got two out of the three uh, pick six games right. So I went, what, four and, four and, four and six in the in the, the all-out blitz games. So yeah, that's why that didn't go well. So anyway, speaking of the pick six, let's go ahead and, and dive in uh, to our three pick six games uh, for this week and uh, see if we can get this bad boy wrapped up. Pick six for week number seven. We start in Jacks. Well, we start in New Orleans with Jacksonville and the uh, Saints uh, Thursday night uh, affair between uh, two teams, one in first place, one on the cusp of first place. the uh, The Saints being three and three coming into the uh, ball game, and uh, you know looking to uh, to get a home win. Uh, I think they've actually struggled at home uh this year if I'm not mistaken let's take a quick look at that let's see the Saints are one yeah they've uh they've only played this was only their third home game they're one and two at home they beat the Titans week one 16 to 15 so they barely pulled that off but then they won the road for two weeks home for the Buccaneers and they got they got just pasted uh, by the Bucks, twenty-six to nine in their own building. And then this past Thursday, welcoming the Jaguars, their only third home game of the season uh, thus far, because they were home game, back-to-back road games, home game, back-to-back road games, and then the home game for the uh, Jaguars uh, on Thursday. And uh, you know it didn't start off well because the Jags took the opening drive uh, in uh, for a touchdown. Uh, very efficient uh, looking drive, Trevor Lawrence and company moving it right down the field and uh, handed off to a Travis ATN from two yards out for to cap off a ten play seventy five yard drive to get the Jags uh, on the board. And the big problem is 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 not really necessarily because Derek Carr's stats are pretty good uh, this season. You know his passing yards and uh, and things like that. The problem is. They're not finishing when they get into the uh, red zone because they the ensuing drive they went right back down the field or actually it was later on in the first quarter, but uh, after the after the Jags muffed a punt, they've got the ball deep in Jaguar territory, and on the drive they got six plays and twelve yards and had to settle for a field goal. You know, and and it was basically in the first quarter or in the first half. Uh, The Jags scored touchdowns, and the Saints kicked field goals. When the Saints were in scoring range, they had to settle for field goals because they couldn't close and get it in the end zone. The Jaguars had three scoring drives, and the third one was a field goal just before halftime. So they had a 17-6 lead uh, going into the half, and then starting off the uh, second half, the Saints put another field goal drive together. So again, settling for three. And then on the next Saints drive, um, Olakun, the uh, I believe he's the safety or DB for the uh, Jaguars, 24 yard interception return, making it 24 to nine going into the fourth quarter. So I mean it was and it was a crazy fourth quarter. That's where all the that's where all the fun had, you know, because going into the fourth quarter, we had 24 for the for the Jags, nine for the. Saints, and then they scored 22 points between them alone uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, um, the first drive, the first T E drive for the Saints ate up six, the last 6.45 of the third quarter, and they almost walked away with nothing because uh, they got the ball all the way down to the uh, one-yard line, uh, and there they are inside the first minute of the fourth quarter. Uh, it took them four shots from the one to finally get in the end zone with Taysom Hill, uh, ran it in, but they got stuffed three plays from the one, uh, on almost walked away with nothing. Had to go get those points. Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, no choice. You got to go for it. Here, you got to go get those points, and uh, they finally got in Taysom Hill and uh, made it twenty-four to to sixteen. Uh, then the uh, they had the successful. Uh, then they went for it. Um, no, no, no. They forced a turnover on downs. I'm. I'm my notes are all over the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Saints' uh, defense forced to turn over on downs at midfield with seven and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the Saints took three plays and fifty-three yards to tie it up after a, a TD pass from uh, Derek Carr to Michael Thomas and a successful conversion by Alma Kamara. So, just like that, it went from twenty-four to nine to all tied up uh, at twenty-four. You know, then the teams traded punts. Uh, then with about 3.30 to go uh, in the game, Trevor Lawrence hit Christian uh, Kirk on a crossing route uh, across the middle of the field, and Kirk took care of the rest. Ran the ball up the sideline and into the uh, end zone from 44 yards out to take the lead 31-24. to 24. The Saints drove the ball right back down the field, like all the way uh, down to the six-yard line and were unsuccessful in four attempts from the six, including a bad drop by Foster Moreau uh, on third down. I mean, uh, Pete Carmichael, I believe, was the offensive coordinator for the Saints. He drew that one up perfect. He had Michael Thomas and Moreau on that left side, or maybe it was Olave. Either way, the two DBs on that side both bit on Thomas going for that, that front pylon in the end zone, leaving Foster Moreau on the post route in the corner. He was wide open. All he had to do was catch the ball. Ball hit him right in the hands. He should have caught it. Didn't come down with it. And uh, the uh, the go-and-get-it ball on fourth down to, uh, I believe, Chris Olave uh, was almost picked off, actually, but uh, fell harmlessly to the ground incomplete, preserving the win for the Jags despite blowing a 15-point lead uh, in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, lots of excitement inside the last, you know, seven, eight minutes uh, of the uh game what was shaping up to be a blowout going 24 to 9 into the fourth quarter turned out to be a nail biter uh there in the uh final minutes and the jags improved to five and two they are clearly ahead uh in the afc south uh right now the saints fall to three and four and uh you know they are they are uh, securely in third place uh at the moment with the uh the falcons beating the uh Buccaneers as we talked about in the all-out blitz so the Falcons at four and three are in first place the Bucks are in three and three in second place and you have the Saints at three and four uh in third place and obviously Carolina is oh and five or oh and six uh right now so they are more than securely in last place uh in that division uh right now so you know it, it really does I mean it's another thing that that makes me not so afraid to go into New Orleans uh, week number nine, so two weeks from now, uh, when the Bears uh, play the Saints, because they have this trouble, especially with the way the Bears have played on defense the last three weeks. It's like it's really seeming to come together for the Bears on defense that they've been so stingy, 20 points against the commanders, and then the defense allowed 12 points apiece these last two weeks. And as a matter of fact – yeah, only 12 points uh, to the Vikings. And then I'm, there was a garbage touchdown at the end where they're basically just kind of trying to run out the clock kind of thing. So I'm, I would say the Bears only gave up six points, two lousy field goals uh, to the Raiders uh, in that uh, in the game this past Sunday. So it seems like the defense has just been improving these last three weeks, and it feels like they could take opportunities or take advantage of an opportunity to play a de- an offense like the Saints that is extremely talented. Mike, uh, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Faustin Moreau, uh, Alvin Kamara, and maybe Jamal Williams would be healthy uh, by then as well. I mean, that's a formidable lineup. But uh, for whatever reason, they are struggling to get it done and actually close drives out uh, and score points. And, you know, if the Bears can play like they played against the Raiders this past week where we didn't, you know, put up a ton of points, I mean, the offense scored 24 uh, points, which is plenty, and then we added a pick six thanks to Jalen Johnson uh, to give us our 30 points uh, and everything, but if you can do that and be as efficient and stingy, and, and the other thing about those drives is that they were long drives, 50 plays, 88 yards, 12 plays, 70 yards, and so on, taking six, seven, eight minutes off the clock uh, each time, giving the Saints fewer time and fewer opportunities, you know, I like the Bears' chances, that is is why I'm not – Solely convinced that the Bears are eight and eight and a half point underdogs to the Chargers this weekend, and sorry to turn this into a Bears podcast all of a sudden, but you know it's it's the reason that the Saints are struggling is that they have the talent to get this done, which is probably um, you know when I talk to Ross Jackson previewing that game next week uh, between the Bears and the Saints, it's going to be a very familiar conversation that I'm having with him because with all the talent you have there, you're struggling so mightily on offense to score points. That comes down to coaching. That's where it kind of falls on, you know, is Pete Carmichael the guy that everybody, you know, this is the guy that everybody wants his head in town uh, kind of thing, the guy with the hottest seat uh, on the coaching staff. Because you got Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, Foster Moreau, Michael Thomas, um, Chris Olave, and others, and yet you might be averaging 17 points uh, a game, and uh, you're one and two at home where, you know, most people feared Going to the Superdome and it's not really the case uh, anymore. So we'll see what happens. the uh, The Saints are on the road next week at Indianapolis. Uh, the Jaguars, as I heard Mike uh, Al Michaels mention at the end of the game on Thursday, have one game in the next twenty three days because they have you know they played Week Seven. They got ten days of rest before they play the Steelers this weekend uh, on Week Number Eight, and then they're on the bye Week Number Nine. Uh, before they uh, before they play again. And uh, I forget who it is that they're playing week nine. It's the 49ers. That's a big game. So they beat the Saints. They have the Steelers on the 29th, which is this Sunday. And then they don't play again until the 12th of November. So they got week nine off. So they got one game against the Steelers after 10 days of rest. And then they have a little less than two weeks to get ready. For uh, for the 49ers, who uh, I don't know if the league has figured the 49ers out or how to slow them down, but they've struggled uh, the last two weeks. And uh, the Jaguars are pretty stingy on defense, or at least they can be. So we'll see how that one goes. Very interesting. But I picked the Jaguars, and uh, lo and behold, I got that one right. Detroit at Baltimore. Well, I just already can tell you. That one did not go my way. And, and, and that was, uh, painfully, that one did not go my way. I mean, this game was nowhere near uh, the showdown that many were expecting uh, to see. You know, Baltimore had a 28 to nothing lead in this game before the Lions got their first first down. So I, th- I think it was somewhere like six, seven minutes to go in the second quarter before the Lions finally got a uh, first down. Uh, in this game, so it was a disaster. So as as I look at the at the drives, it is Baltimore Ravens touchdown, three and out for the Lions. Baltimore Ravens eleven plays, sixty six yards, touchdown. Three plays, six yards, punt for the Lions. Baltimore Ravens eight plays, ninety two yards, touchdown. Detroit. three plays, seven yards, punt, Baltimore Ravens. six plays, 80 yards touchdown. <laughs> it's just 28 to nothing. this thing, yeah, I mean it, it looked like the the Lions of Old, uh, if you will, because you know the Ravens who are a stout team that I can't seem to quite figure out. I mean I know it's like to talk about the Titans and how they're the uh, the, schizo- the schizophrenic franchise. Uh, I guess maybe they're more the schizophrenic franchise of bad teams, whereas the uh, the Ravens would probably be the schizophrenic uh, team of uh, a franchise of good teams, because they're 5-2 and two after beating the Lions on Sunday. But they have these two losses, one to the Colts, just because they couldn't get anything on, going on offense, they struggled mightily to get anything done. And then this thing where they kept toying with the Steelers and wouldn't put them away a couple of weeks ago ended up blowing that game. And in their other games, well they they smoked the uh Browns in Cleveland 28 to 3. Like, okay. But you lose an overtime, you know, a defensive struggle to the Colts. And and then, you know, you you can't get anything going, but you've got the Steelers by the short and curlies going all the way in the fourth quarter but you, you turn your head for a second and and Kenny Pickett hits George Pickens for a 40-yard touchdown you lose the game a game you had in control right up until that very moment and they ended up blowing that one uh, uh to the Ravens and, and it just seems like the Ravens are textbook playing up or down to their competition this year well they had the one of the best teams in the NFC coming to town this past Sunday, so they showed up and and let him have it. And uh, 28 to nothing before the Lions got their first first down. Uh, You know, they looked like they were toying with them at times. I mean, on their second touchdown drive, uh, Lamar Jackson's TD pass to Nelson Aguilar. He looked like he had about, I don't know, 15-20 seconds to throw the ball. And, you know, he had an eternity back there. And, And It was a combination of great blocking from the offensive line and what looked like fear of Lamar Jackson's legs because it looked like he literally had three guys spying him at the line of scrimmage, waiting to see what he was going to do. Rather than uh, charge in and possibly miss him, they were sitting there waiting for him to do something, and instead he found Nelson Aguilar wide open in the back of the end zone uh, on a crossing route to make it 14 to nothing. But that kind of summed up how that game went. Was you know based on the highlights that I saw on the uh, the, uh, the the condensed uh, highlights on on YouTube uh, and everything, you know everything Baltimore tried in the first half worked like gangbusters. I think the 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 Lions did get a fumble recovery late in the first half, but uh, it was thirty five to nothing before the fi- the Lions finally got on the board uh, on one of the first plays uh, of the fourth quarter. Uh, the Ravens added a field goal after that to give us our final score of 38, uh, to six. But, uh, you know, I really had high hopes, uh, for, like, I don't think the lions are done by any stretch of the imagination. They just had a really bad afternoon, uh, against the, uh, against the Ravens and even good teams are allowed bad games. I mean, hell, we've seen the 49ers do it back to back weeks now, but, um, you know, I don't think the lions are done, uh, by any stretch. Uh, of the imagination here uh, next week. They have the Raiders on uh, looks like Monday night football. So they they got a little, they got another extra, they got an extra day of rest uh, to get ready. Uh, they're playing against the team that just got, <laughs> got run through by the bears uh, this past Sunday. So their ego is, is, is a bit damaged and uh, the lions are that wounded animal that, uh, that needs a win on national TV. So, I wouldn't want to be the Raiders uh next week. That's for sure because the last time the Lions lost uh to the Seahawks in week number 2, uh they put their foot on it in it and threw it against the Falcons the following uh week. So uh yeah. I I, I, I wouldn't envy the uh the Raiders uh coming up uh this week. The Ravens on the other hand, um they are on the road at Arizona taking on the Cardinals looking to go 6 and 2 and stay on top the AFC North division. But uh, I picked the, uh, the Lions in this one, and I could not be more wrong about it. Mm. And finally, in our pick six, Miami at Philadelphia on Sunday Night Football. Uh, the Eagles were having a little fun wearing the old-school Kelly Green uh, uniforms, complete with the old uh, silver uh, wing logo uh, on the helmet. It was... Uh, Quite the nostalgic uh, look. Those are the Eagles that I grew up uh, watching. Those are the Randall Cunningham Eagles, the Buddy Ryan Eagles, the Reggie White, Jerome Brown uh, Eagles with uh, Seth Joyner. And uh, I think Ricky Waters played them, for them in that uniform uh, back in the day. Herschel Walker played with the Green, the Kelly Greens. So, yeah. I mean, of course, and then, like, in my early days, the Ron Jaworskis, the Mike quicks you know and things like that uh with uh oh good old dick Vermeil, uh the head coach when the eagles went to their first super bowl uh super bowl 15 to the oakland raiders and lost to jim plunkett in company in uh, new orleans in the superdome of all places so amateur nfl historian right here kids you're welcome but uh this game speaking of super bowls is uh a possible super bowl preview and uh hope for miami's sake that if they uh are lucky enough to eat, meet the Eagles again in uh, Vegas for the Super Bowl that this game doesn't go like that one. Or that game doesn't go like this one, uh, I should say. Because um, Philly took the opening drive in for a field goal and then turned the Dolphins away on their uh, first drive. However, on the very first play of the drive for the Eagles, deep in their own territory, Bradley Chubb strip sacks Hurts uh, and uh, to give the ball back to Miami at Philly's twenty-three yard line. But the story of the game is basically the Philadelphia uh, defense because they did a hell of a job bottling up this uh, explosive and terrifying uh, at times offense. You know, they still had their moments, and uh, Tyreek Hill made his plays uh, and whatnot. But overall, this is not the uh, type of performance that you're used to seeing uh, out of the Dolphins. Only two hundred and forty-four yards. Uh, of total offense. Tua usually throws for that much by halftime uh, in most of these games uh, this season. But, you know, the Eagles did an, an outstanding job keeping the ball away from the uh, from the Dolphins. They had a 13-and-a-half-minute time of possession advantage, 36-40 to 23-10 uh, in the time of possession uh, battle. They held the top rushing offense in the Dolphins to 45 yards on 12 attempts uh, in this game. Uh, after the sacks were factored in, Tua only threw, he netted 199 yards passing. The Dolphins only ran 48 plays to the Eagles 68 plays uh, on Sunday. So Philly's defense, even in the short field, shut Miami down, and they had to settle for a field goal, and it was just it—it it was a huge opportunity for the Dolphins deep in Philly territory. It means they don't have to go through the task of trying to drive down the field against that defense and even scored a touchdown only to have it nullified by a holding penalty by one of their offensive linemen, therefore having to settle uh, for the field goal. Then just before halftime, Philly scored touchdowns on their next two drives, one on a TD pass to Dallas Goddard, and uh, another on a one yard uh, Jalen Hurts on the tush push or the brotherly shove or the most hated play in the NFL if you're not an Eagles fan uh, play uh, to make it 17 to 3. And it looked like Philly was all set to take that lead into the halftime, only to have Tua hit a wide open uh, Tyreek Hill for 27 yards to make it 17 to 10 at the half. And this is where things got interesting. Uh, for for a while, because on Miami's second drive of the second half in the third quarter there, they got the ball all the way down to the Philly 21-yard line, and we're going to go for it on 4th and 3. But in a night that was kind of marred by bad calls from the referees or no calls by the referees, especially in this case, 4th and 3, I forget who the intended receiver was, but he got his face mask pulled by, I believe, Bradbury, the cornerback for the Eagles. You, you see it happen and the ball falls innocently to the ground. That's the only contact Bradbury made with him but obviously janking on the face mask is going to hinder your ability because wherever your head goes the body goes with it uh, kind of thing. no call no flag no nothing even though it happened right there in front of the referee and uh, you know the, the 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 dolphins got turned away a turnover on downs. however, Karma is a bitch and on the very first play of the ensuing drive for Philly, Hertz's pass gets deflected by a blitzing, uh, defensive back right into the hands of defensive tackle Jerome Baker. Or actually, he's a linebacker. I think, I think he's a defensive end, whatever he is, a defender, number 55. It could be a defensive end, could be a linebacker. I don't know the Dolphins that well, but he runs it in for a touchdown, tied the game at 17. And it's like, uh, oh, here we go. Now we got a ball game. But unfortunately for the Dolphins, that's, uh, as close as they would get. Uh, in this one, because the rest of the game was all Philadelphia, starting with Philadelphia immediately answering that touchdown for Miami with an eight-play, 75-yard touchdown drive uh, of their own to uh, to retake the lead, uh, 24-17. to And uh, then they added another touchdown after a two-interception. And I think that was the moment that really kind of flipped the game because Philly had the ball. They're driving down the field after the Eagles uh, scored that uh, that touchdown drive. Okay, so Philly scored the touchdown, and it was eight plays and forty-five yards. They they're marching uh, down the field, and uh, Tua is looking for Raheem Mostert uh, in the end zone, or he's like I think the interception happened at the two-yard line. But they're driving. Looks like they're about to score and tie the game again. And instead, it gets picked off by Darius Slay, which is also another one of those plays that people thought that um, Mostert was interfered with. Not by, not by Darius Slay. He made a clean interception. But by the guy who was guarding uh, Raheem Mostert. You know, hands in the face. I think he even knocked him down uh, kind of thing. No call. Philly had zero penalties called on them in this game, which is another thing that was kind of egregious. And I was actually just talking about this uh, with my dad. Was that I think what even what made it even worse was the no calls or the bad calls that the referees made in this game. Was the fact that um, I believe it's Terry McCauley is the uh, rules analyst for NBC for Sunday Night Football, basically was backing up everything that Eagle that uh, Dolphins fans are pissed off about. Like you know these like yeah they definitely should have called pass interference on that that face mask pull. It did look like pass interference on the on the uh, on Raheem Mostert there uh, in the backfield. Even though Darius Slay made a clean play on the ball, that, that you know that receiver was was interfered with. Uh, there was a uh, roughing the passer called um, on the on the Dolphins the, on a hit on Jalen Hurts. Was he disagreed that it's not roughing uh, the passer? All the things you're looking for in roughing the passer, none of those things happened here. Other than the quarterback being pushed to the ground. And it wasn't even done in a way where he got hit in the head or anything like that. Defender got there just as the ball was released, pushed him down to the ground. That was it, and they flagged him for it. Extended the drive or gave him 15 yards they didn't earn, so on uh, and so forth. And I think that's really what's kind of pounding at home is that whenever the referees made a call or when they missed a call, the rules analysts for NBC, uh, Collinsworth and, and Tariko were, were always checking in uh, with him. And just about every time the referees made a call or, or, or missed a call, McCauley was backing it up by saying, "Yeah, that's definitely a that's definitely a bad call," or "No, that's not uh, that's not roughing the passer." Yes, that was definitely pass interference, uh, and so on. Which is kind of what uh, you know when you've got a former referee turning on his own, if you will. Uh, that's going to add fuel uh, to the fire. But that was kind of like the moment where it turned because it looked like, okay, Dolphins are going to score. We're going to tie the game up again. Instead. They come up with the uh, interception, and then Philly goes 13 place, 83 yards in six and a half minutes, uh, and puts it in one more time uh, with a uh, – where's the touchdown? There it is. With a uh, Gainwell touchdown run. So extra point made it 31-17, and that is how the game uh, would end. Kenneth Gainwell. I knew his first name was Kenneth. It just said K. Gainwell. <laughs> but 31 uh to 17 the final score uh of that one i did get the pick right i only put one point on the eagles because i i you know had a feeling it was going to be a you know kind of a shootout and i was almost right there like if philly if uh miami scores there on that interception drive uh it definitely could have been uh going the other way but uh it was it was all philly in the second half for the most part and uh It's an interesting interesting outcome for the uh for the Eagles. They're 6 and 1 now. The number 1 seed in the NFC thanks to the 49ers losing uh last night. Jalen Hurts was 23 of 31 for 279 and two touchdowns. Uh for the uh, Eagles, DeAndre Swift added 62 yards on the ground. Hurts and Gainwell with the rushing touchdowns. AJ Brown made an amazing catch on that last touchdown drive. Uh, ten catches, 137 yards and a touchdown. Dallas Goddard five catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in that one as well. First game for Julio Jones in an Eagle uniform. Uh, on the other hand, like I said, Raheem Mostert only ran for 45 yards in this game on on nine carries, so five yards a carry, not bad at all. But uh, they're still missing uh Achan, the uh, the running back who was just tearing things apart before he had to go out with that. Uh, knee injury. He's on IR. I think he's going to be gone for another couple weeks uh, at least. But, uh, you know, Tua wasn't terrible. 23 of 32, but only 216 and a touchdown. And that interception there at the start of the fourth quarter, that one was a killer. Tyreek Hill had 11, care, 11 catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Waddle 6 catches, 63 yards uh, in this one. So, uh, interesting game. Like I said, it was very much back and forth. And, uh, you, you know, you, you thought we were in for a real battle when uh, Miami uh, got that pick six to tie up the game at 17 early in the second half. But Philly came marching right back down there, scored on that one. Philly looked like they were about to do it again, but that interception is kind of where uh, their best efforts were were laid down because uh, it was all Philly uh, after that. But uh, I picked the Eagles to win, so hey, uh, we were 2-1 in the pick six this week to go along with my 4-6 in the all-out blitz making me Six and seven for week number week number seven. Yeah, not good. Forty three whole points uh, out of ninety one. That was right. It was ninety one points on a thirteen game week. So forty three out of ninety one. That's that's less than half. And our champion for the week that scored fifty three points, just a little bit more uh, than half. But uh, we'll we'll talk more deeply about that on Thursday when we do our preview. For week number eight, so come on back uh, for that, and uh, then on uh, Friday, Dave Drogemeyer from Locked On Chargers will be joining us to preview Bears Chargers at SoFi on Sunday Night Football. Uh, that game was not flexed out of the Sunday Night spot, so it's either it was either going to be Justin Fields and and Justin Herbert, or Justin or excuse me Justin Herbert versus the. Uh, the division two undrafted rookie quarterback Tyson Bajen. I don't know which one is the better, you know, as far as like the, uh, you know, the uh, the story is concerned or or what have you. But uh, you know, it's certainly uh, quite interesting that that Bajen's probably going to be the starter uh, right now. Justin Fields still doubtful for this weekend, so the odds of him playing are not good. So it does look like we're going to have Bajan out there. It's basically going to be a West Coast home game for the Bears. 'Cause the Bears fan base travels like you would not believe, and uh the Chargers don't exactly have a blistering home, uh, aside from that, that cute little cute little Asian super fan that they have who was in Kansas City uh as well. We'll see if she's on T V this Sunday, and I hope that she's watching my Bears kick the crap uh out of the uh, Chargers on Sunday with uh by way of Tyson Bajent and the Bear defense. So Anyway, that is going to do it, guys. Come back tomorrow for the preview for week number eight, or Thursday, I should say, and then Friday for me and Dave Drogemeyer from Locked On Chargers to preview Bears Chargers for week number eight. So that's going to do it, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the week seven review episode of the fourth phase. We will see you next time.